Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Michael Phillips is... Let's go! MP on the mic. All right, more music. What is up, Richmond? Hello, it's a Tuesday morning. This is it. This is the home stretch for me. Uh, not for this station, not for AWOD. He is off. Uh, he's going to Disney World uh, after today's show, AWOD Radio, noon to three, of course. And then he is off to Orlando, uh, VCU, with some fun games this weekend at the ESPN Events Invitational. Uh, he'll have a live show from there tomorrow, get you ready for uh, the weekend of games, and then back on Friday, uh, working around what we anticipate to be a busy weekend of high school football right here on The Fan, and of course, uh, all the hoops, uh, all the action, this is the place to be, lock it in, this is one of my favorite weekends of the year, I know this is one of the weekends y'all look forward to every year, uh, and, and we're loaded, we're locked and loaded with great matchups. Uh, across the board, top to bottom here, uh, and also the Commanders will play. They will play the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Good morning. It's a Tuesday morning. Michael Phillips, your MP on the mic. That's the program. JC's on the board back in studio. I am live in Ashburn, uh, rainy Ashburn. I'm assuming a rainy Richmond as well as we get ready for uh, Commanders practice today. They're only on-field practice of the week uh, as they get set to play the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, essentially, as I've been taking the temperature of everybody in the room over the last, you know, 24, 48 hours, it's been watch them win. You know, wouldn't that just be the most commander's outcome available? Like everybody's just taking it for granted. You know, do, do you fire on after the game? Do you wait until the bye week? Do you wait until after the season? Just watch them win, uh, you know, and just turn this whole thing on its head. And I would be the most Cowboys outcome too, by the way. Uh, the Cowboys seem to only lose, exclusively lose games like this. Uh, they they don't lose uh, they don't lose to competition that gives them an actual game, uh, but they they find a way to lose games like this you know, against the Arizona Cardinals, things like that. So that's going to be a ton of fun. But you know what we're excited for in state, and we'll jump right to it. I might get to UVA basketball and get to them in a bit, but I, I want to start on the gridiron. We've got the Commonwealth Cup this weekend, UVA. Virginia Tech meeting once again, this one in Charlottesville. I think this one's going to be a really fun matchup potential. We've we've had some intriguing ones over the years. Uh, my first UVA Tech rivalry game out here was the Chris Long Senior Day uh, in Charlottesville, where 
Uh, you know, they were they were playing for a spot in the ACC title game. They retired Chris Long's number before the game. I remember thinking, is that a thing they do out here? And no is the answer. It's uh, it's not really a thing they do out here. But it was a thing they did that day. Um, I love I love the UVA press box, by the way, because it's open air. Uh, they don't make them like that anymore. They don't make them like that anymore. Uh, most press boxes are now fully enclosed slash indoors. Uh, which there's merit to as well when it's cold and rainy, obviously. But if I'm at a football game, I want to be out experiencing the football game. And uh, and that's how UVA is. And uh, UVA uh, is, is a great place to watch a game. Great town, obviously. Uh, I would guess a 50-50 crowd. Uh, I can't imagine UVA is going to pack that place out for this one in light of the interest level in the program throughout the year. Uh, in light of the the way the fans have kind of reacted with a shrug to the entirety of the Tony Elliott era, uh, and and the way the Virginia Tech fans have shown up and shown out, uh, which just and we've talked about this before, that impressed me early this season uh, when when they lost those three non conference games, Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall, uh, which was a, which was a brutal stretch for them and. That the line didn't look good, and the, and the fundamentals weren't good. Uh, they're still discovering a lot of things. There were some injuries, but there was also some bad football played top to bottom there. Uh, but the fans still showed up and, and sold out that pit game, made it a great atmosphere, uh, provided some some real juice at Lane Stadium. I would guess, I would guess they're going to be able to find their way to Charlottesville this weekend. I would guess they're going to find their way out there for that rivalry matchup and. So much on the line for both sides, which you you, know, you don't need. You'd love a, a pair of nine and twos, right? Playing for a spot in the ACC title game. That would be fun. I would like that. It's, uh, you know, but it's it, it, when you go to the, the lower stakes, when you're at the lower end of the spectrum, there is uh, there's a lot going on there that can be equally fun. For Virginia Tech, bowl game on the line, very important for them. To, to get to the bowl game, to to validate this late season renaissance of theirs. For UVA, a chance to validate what Tony Elliott's been doing uh, and the Tony Elliott era, uh, which now enters year three, would give them two signature wins this year, the win over North Carolina. And then if you add this one, you'd, you'd start to feel a lot better about things, I think. But uh, let's play. Uh, here's Tony Elliott talking after the Duke win. Uh, UVA coming in with a little bit of juice, a little bit of momentum. This is the Tony Elliott clip, Josh. Uh, UVA coach Tony Bennett on, or excuse me, UVA coach Tony Elliott. We'll get to Tony Bennett. UVA coach Tony Elliott uh, on his team and the momentum and and the way they've sustained after a really rough start to the year. I mean, for me, uh, I see it every single day, right? And and uh, uh, obviously, on, uh, uh, I get to see the ins and outs, uh, so I can kind of gauge the progress. I know it's tough for for the fan or the folks that are from the outside looking wow. in, uh, because again, okay. you see three hours, three and a half hours on Saturday, right? You might see some clips throughout the course of the week on social media, uh, and then you see stats, right? But that's uh, UVA coach Tony Elliott, and he's right. Uh, this team has progressed over the course of the year. I think he's progressed as a coach as well, because uh, man, he he cost them early in the year. Uh, some of those games and the BC game jumps to mind, obviously some, some tough losses, some tough little quarterback roulette. Yeah. Hate to see quarterback roulette, Anthony Calandri. He's in, he's out, he's red shirting. He's not red shirting. Uh, that indecisiveness cost them, cost them the opportunity to build some continuity, to, to build something going forward with this team. But 
I think they're in a good space right now. I think Anthony Calandri is playing really well. I think he will be a tough test for this Virginia Tech defense and the defensive line, uh, which has has struggled at times this year. And I think we'll really have to do a lot of work this week to buckle down and learn how to contend with a mobile quarterback, with a scrambling quarterback. Uh, I, I think that's one of the major subplots of this game. I think Kyron Drones on the other side, he's becoming really comfortable with moving and keeping his eyes downfield and throwing the ball. And uh, that is that is absolutely one of the things I like to see most out of a young quarterback uh, is to see, you know, the the ability to not just, you know, when you scramble, you got to scramble, you got to be mobile. All quarterbacks are mobile these days. But to keep the eyes downfield, to to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm running, but also my top preference right now is to throw the ball. My, my, my number one preference is to throw the ball, and then if that doesn't happen, I will continue running, but I'm going to keep looking through that. He's doing that. I think this could be a high-scoring game potential. I think they could trade some possessions here. I think both offenses are in a pretty good place right now. Virginia Tech, I don't know if you saw this stat. I think this was a David Teal stat. I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to credit David Teal because he's, he's responsible for most stats I enjoy uh, out of Blacksburg there. Uh, average 7.6 yards per snap offensively. On Saturday, losing effort. They they lost to the Wolfpack, uh, losing effort, but 7.6 yards per snap. That's that's a that's enough. Uh, if, if they can duplicate that on Saturday, they got to count on their defense to get them across the line. 3:30 on Saturday, UVA Tech, the Commonwealth Cup. Uh, looking forward to that one for sure. Now, JMU also playing a fun football game this weekend. JMU's got Coastal Carolina this weekend, uh, and they're 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 at the Chanticleers. Um, 10 and one, uh, if they win, uh, certainly bolsters their cause to call themselves Sunbelt champs. Now, the weird thing is now I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer here. JMU needs to just be done with this NCAA thing, right? And I think JMU for the large part is done. I think it's the politicians who are making noise now. Jason Miaris is the attorney general of Virginia. They gave this whole big statement. Come back on Monday. You'll see what I'm cooking on Monday. This was before the game and nothing cooked yesterday. Um, you know, there's a worry he's trying to file for a temporary injunction or something like that, uh, which I which I don't believe they should do. Uh, I, I think you just the decision has been made. You had the App State game, and win or lose in that game, your legal avenues are, are exhausted. I don't think you should take this stuff to the courts. That's it's not what the courts are for. The courts are for our real problems in real life and real society. They're they're not for litigating college football disputes. That. That's the NCAA. They had a process. They had an appeals process. They made the wrong decision. Doesn't matter. You got to take that and move on. We're done. Uh, but this is interesting. I'm going to play uh, JMU coach Kurt Signetti. Josh, I know I'm going to take us long into the break here, but that's all right. Uh, I've made peace with that because I've done it uh, at literally every other show we've ever done here. Uh, <laughs> this is JMU. <laughs> yep. This is JMU coach Kurt Signetti. Um, gives the opening statement. Get, get, you know, lets us know this is a big game and then kind of drops a little like, and by the way, we haven't given up, which was very interesting. Uh, take a listen. They're a really good football team, and there's a lot at stake uh, in this game. Uh, if we're able to be successful, we would have the best record in the Sunbelt East and under normal circumstances be the Sunbelt East champions. And, uh, you know, in terms of the crossover versus Troy would beat them. So, you know, theoretically, you could lay, lay a claim uh, to an unofficial conference championship, but we haven't given up total hope in being able to play that game if we are successful uh, on Saturday. But it'll be a very difficult challenge. If you do not get 
satisfaction through the courts you know, and so forth and through the legal system, it's still a very good possibility that your guys have postseason in their future if things do bounce right. Um, you know, how, how do you approach that with your team right now? Or do you even approach it? I haven't really even mentioned it to him up to this point. Uh, I might mention it to him this week because, you know, it appears there's a very strong chance that we're going to end up in a bowl game. And, um, you know, if we can take care of business this week, it'll be a good ball game. And, uh, but all the focus needs to be on this team today being in the here and now controlling the controllables and having a plus preparation and stacking great days on top of each other that's uh jmu football coach kurt signetti uh snuck that in there right we haven't given up hope on playing in the sunbelt title game which by the way they would host if they were allowed to play in it uh it, that, that was weird to me uh that was weird to me to just slide that in uh, I don't know if he knows something. I don't know if the attorney general knows something. I don't know what that discussion looks like. Obviously, uh, I would imagine the courts go on holiday. Uh, we'll, we'll be ducking out of there uh, for the next few weeks. But look he's, look, he's right. Enjoy this game on its merits. This is a really good football game. JMU Coastal, this will also be at 3.30 on Saturday. That That's that's the primetime window here. UVA and Tech and JMU playing Coastal. It's, it's a fun game. And whatever happens, I, I tend to agree. I don't think we'll have enough bowl eligible teams this year. Just looking at the board, um, I, I think that the Dukes will get to play in one. I hope they get paired against Liberty. I think that's the matchup everybody wants. So this game only matters for self declarative purposes, but it still matters. It's still going to be a ton of fun. Um, but I, I do wish the Attorney General would take a step back from from making noise. Look, I, it, it, we call this the this, this sports talk thing. Like politicians are like so eager to get on air, to, you know, to put themselves out there. And what they figured out is, hey, you know, this JMU thing is popular. We will put them on the air. We, we will give them that run that they deserve. I'm, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. No more of that on this issue. We're done. We've got a great JMU season. I hope they get a bowl game. I hope it's against Liberty. I hope it's the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, and I hope our whole staff goes out there for it uh, to like a 12-degree night in Boise, Idaho. That's, that's my hope. We'll see what happens. i got to step aside. College Hoops, we haven't touched College Hoops yet. Uh, we'll do that on the way back. This is 910 The Fan, not 105.1 FM. 75-yarder for Travion Henderson last week in Ohio State. The local product will be in the national spotlight in what will be the number one most anticipated game of the year to date. Uh, I think the only other one you could make an argument for this year would be that Georgia-Alabama SEC title game we'll get next weekend. Those are the two and in, in what's been uh, a good year for parity and balance in college football across the conferences, uh, I think both of these are elimination games. Uh, I really do. Uh, I think uh, Pac-10 sending a team for sure. And uh, we'll see if Florida State can hang on. Obviously, a big injury down there. They've got a lot of work to do in Tallahassee. With two big games still on tap, uh, Florida and Louisville very much could lose one or either of those. We'll see where it all shakes out. But there's no guarantees for the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, and there's no guarantees for the loser of Georgia, Alabama. Uh, you're probably, if you're the Ohio State, Michigan loser, you're probably rooting for Georgia in that one. I think you would take a one loss Ohio State or Michigan over Alabama. But if it's Georgia, and they've been so dominant all year, they've run the table on everybody. If, if, if Saban sneaks by him in the SEC title game, 
I I could see a scenario where Georgia's in anyway. Uh, you know, if Florida State loses, if Florida State goes undefeated, obviously they're in. That's the team we're watching to see if a fourth spot gets freed up in the college football playoff. You got to hear from the Big 12, too. I uh, got to hear from the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas on their collision course, and they could stake a claim to Florida State's spot as well. So I think you got two really great elimination games. Uh, we'll be watching Travion Henderson, local kid for Ohio State on Saturday. Big, big noon, big noon kickoff. Uh, Gus Johnson will be down in the house for uh, for Fox. He is going to be yelling Maserati Marv so loud on Saturday. That bit is back, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's he's the most fun receiver we've seen in college football in a really long time. Uh, it's a Tuesday. It's MP on the mic getting you ready for a really big weekend of sports. It's been all football so far, uh, but but we got to give our love to college basketball as well. This is a college basketball Big weekend uh, every year. Uh, I don't understand that. Uh, I'll say my piece and be done with it. My goodness, why are you doing this college basketball? Uh, why are you playing these big games, these big moments? The Maui field is great. Uh, you know, we, we got UVA, we got VCU in Orlando at a great event. If you just move these things back two weeks. Now, my idea is to make it a full spring sport. You know, don't kick off until college football's done. But even if you just move these back a couple weeks, you got so much more of a national spotlight. Uh, but we have the feast. Uh, add, it, add it to the plate. Add it to the feast this weekend. Uh, start with UVA last night. UVA got smoked by Wisconsin. We were advertising a, a defensive struggle in that one. One team had a struggle to score points. Uh, the other team didn't. Wisconsin, man, they looked good in the paint. They looked good inside and out. And uh, just as I am kind of rethinking my VCU season after the first few games, I am certainly rethinking uh, what what I have to say about uh, about UVA as well. Sixty-five to forty-one, the final. Wisconsin puts a sixty-five spot on him. UVA's got 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 personnel issues. Um, they they don't look as stout as usual now. I poo-pooed all that in the preseason. I said, look, this is a Tony Bennett team. You, you lean out of the top 25 at your own peril. They find their way right back in. They, they looked good in the early season games. Uh, but, a, but a big test against a very talented, very loaded, athletically Wisconsin team, and they failed that test. Um, now, a little shot at redemption tomorrow night. They'll take on West Virginia. West Virginia is not good at the moment. Uh, the Bob Huggins stuff this offseason, uh, and and then they had some players transfer. They've got some injuries. Looked like they played seven last night in their game, in their loss. And and so they they are a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, you got to really take advantage of these things. You got to take advantage of these opportunities to get a name team and get them while they're down. Uh, SMU beat West Virginia 70-58 to last night. Believe that's an ACC win. Uh, go ACC. Always good to see them picking up some non-conference action. SMU SMU taking down West Virginia. Big win for the ACC there. Got to have a little conference pride in the ACC watching them do that. But no, UVA gets to take on West Virginia. Uh, that game is tomorrow night, and uh, it's it's a it's a bounce back game for the Wahoos, and, and an important one now after getting getting handled by Wisconsin, 65 from the Badgers. Uh, we'll see how UVA bounces back. I'm excited to watch VCU. We got a uh, uh, VCU Iowa State. Uh, I don't have a lot of optimism that they're going to win that game. Uh, I, I do wonder. I would say the three-point shooting is real, and the shooting overall has been what's held them back 
this year from reaching their potential. And I'm curious if a new venue, uh, uh, some fresh air, change of pace, can help them in that regard, can kick them out of that funk a little bit. If they can start hitting threes, I'm right back on the bandwagon. I'm not even off the bandwagon. I'm just kind of dangling my foot a little bit. If they can start shooting well again, this is a team that can hold its own in the A-10. This is a team that can hold its own with anybody. I'm not worried about that element of things. Uh, what I'm worried about is, you know, that this is going to be the best team they've played this year, and they've had major issues running the offense against some less talented teams. Uh, and look at the Seattle game as proof of that. This offense is not a smooth running machine yet. Uh, that's, why I, that's why I mentioned them while I was talking about UVA, because you've got UVA, which, you know, seems every year Tony Bennett gets the guys rolling, gets that defense instilled, and, and then they're untouchable. That, that really wasn't the case. You know, Wisconsin was, was able to do what they wanted with them. I'm sensing the same thing at VCU. That offense, that, that Ryan Odom offense just isn't there yet. Now, I'm not down on them long term, but I don't see any way they can beat Iowa State the way they've been playing the last few games. Now, one upside of that, Virginia Tech's struggling big time, too. That could put them into a Friday game, a little Black Friday action against Virginia Tech. That'd be fun. Put a little juice on that one. I, I think we'd all enjoy watching VCU take on Virginia Tech. Awad will be down there courtside uh, in Orlando. I'll be excited to get his take on that. I know he's uh, he's ready for that, that potential matchup. I, I think that would be a lot of fun to watch those two teams match up because you got Tech trying to reestablish itself inside the state, and you got VCU still wearing a target on its back. Even when the shots don't fall, they are still wearing that target on their backs. All right, we're a half hour in. We'll switch our focus to the NFL. When we get back, we'll hear from Ron Rivera, John Allen, the commanders, as we figure out what they should do next, but also tons of news around the NFL this week. Uh, This morning, Steelers fire their offensive coordinator, Bill Belichick, won't name a quarterback. Zach Wilson benched in New York. And, of course, Chiefs Eagles last night. We'll wrap that up for you. All that when we return. It's a Tuesday edition live from Ashburn. MP on the mic. You're listening to 910 The Fan, not 105.1 FM. This is MP on the mic on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Hello, Monday Night Football last night. We're back, 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM, our final show before the Thanksgiving break. Don't worry, AWOD's got you covered, though. AWOD Radio sticks with you through Friday on a busy week in the world of sports. We're back Monday to put a bow on all of it. And now, obviously, the the, the lead-up, the hype to this game w- was big. Uh, Super Bowl rematch, Chiefs-Eagles, uh, and, of course, uh, you know, game of the week, game of the year, game of the century, whatever superlatives you want to put on it. After the game, I saw a lot of people, man, that really delivered. It was a very good game. It was one of the best games of the season. I, I don't know that it met that Super Bowl caliber. You had the rain. The rain was a bummer. Uh, you wish it wouldn't have rained during that game. Really let those offenses loose, see what they're saying. Now, I did appreciate there's a good element of defense in that game, uh, and certainly the Chiefs' defense. Chiefs defense might be better than the Chiefs offense right now. Uh, but the Eagles defense as well. Uh, I know the drops for the Chiefs will be the story, but the Eagles defense was rocking them for sure. Here's your decisive play. Chiefs have a final chance to win. They go long to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Snap to Mahomes, retreating. He's unloading it long. He's got Valdez-Scantling, and he cannot hang on to the ball. He drops the ball in the end zone. A deep post pattern. The Chiefs had it. They had the defender beat, and Valdez-Scantling 
on a deep post, had the deep safety beat, and Valdez-Scantling drops the ball at the one-yard line. Here's uh, here's Patrick Mahomes after the game. I think one of the risks, you know, when you have a Patrick Mahomes, and look, you got to pay Patrick Mahomes, uh, and, and they've certainly paid the defense, is you say he covers over so much stuff that you don't have to re-sign Tyreek Hill, that you don't have to worry about having wide receivers. And, and last night, certainly, you know, it was a good counterpoint otherwise. Here's Patrick Mahomes after the game. They know I'm going to keep firing it. That's who I am. I'm going to fire it uh, to the guy who's open. Usually they make the, they're going to make the plays. I mean, it's, it happens. I mean, I threw an interception in the red zone on a, if I just fly and jam right off. Um, so uh, it wasn't, that, wasn't, that didn't just lose the game. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened throughout the game. And so uh, you just got to keep firing. And so I, I look, by the way, I love it. In the middle of that clip, it sounded like somebody like took a Polaroid picture, picture of Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I haven't heard that sound in a minute. <laughs> Loaded up the film and everything. You shake that a few times and get yourself a souvenir. Patrick Mahomes talking after a loss. I'm just not entirely sure what that was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to keep throwing it, and he's got nothing further to prove. He proved he's the best, best player in football last night, uh, but the Chiefs were not the best team on the field last night and and too many mistakes too many drops by the wide receivers uh which is which is something that could potentially dog them uh love pacheco as a running back i I think that uh you know they can ride him a little bit more than they've been riding him for sure uh especially as you get to the playoffs and part of this is is load management right to borrow the nba term you don't want to you don't want to go too crazy over a 17-game season. I think the Lions have been good at, about that with Jameer Gibbs. You look at B. John Robinson in Atlanta. Those coaches have been very upfront. Hey, we are pacing our young guys for a 17-game season and then p- to potentially go into the playoffs. And that matters, uh, you know, to, to keep them fresh late into the season. I, two smart plays by the Eagles, though. Now, the Eagles proved to me they, they were a championship-caliber team when they held off the Cowboys in that first big game a couple weeks ago. Uh, obviously, the record speaks for itself now. They've got some of their toughest games still ahead of them, but they, they can afford to lose a couple now, keep the bye. Uh, for the Eagles, two really smart plays. Okay, the first one, the Chiefs intercept the pass, and DeAndre Swift like waits, lets the guy get up, and then steals the ball from him, creates a fumble. Now, he ended up grazing him on the way down, so it didn't count. But I just love the heads-up play there after the interception. Like, just hover, wait, and then pounce. I thought that was really smart. Just one of those heads-up plays that make you say, this is a well-organized championship-caliber team right there. This is a team that, that could be contending in January and could make plays like that when it matters in January, when a play like that is the difference between making the making the NFC title game and not making the NFC title game or making the Super Bowl or, or not making the Super Bowl. Love to see that. The other one, of course, Jalen Carter tries to catch the spike for Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, he was almost successful. That was wild. I'm not sure I've seen anything quite like that before. I uh, said he said he saw it on YouTube. Saw a high school kid do it and actually got it. He was really close, by the way. Patrick Mahomes spiked the ball to get the field goal at the end of the first half. He goes sliding in, gets his hands down. He almost made a play on that ball. And and for those of you wondering, that's live. That, that is a live ball right there. Uh, that that was fascinating. Uh, props to props to Jalen Carter there uh, on uh, on trying to catch the spike halftime. I can't believe we're still doing the fastest three minutes of highlights anymore. It's uh, 
It's 2023. It's Thanksgiving 2023. We're about to turn the calendar to 2024. ESPN's still giving us three minutes uh, highlights from Sunday at halftime. That that used to be like the coolest part of the week. Like, oh, what's that? We'll get to see all the games. What? That's incredible. Like, there is nobody. Nobody could possibly figure out how to do that. Like, the satellites. How how do you do it? You get get highlights from all the games. Um, we, I mean, shoot, that's just the Red Zone channel now. That's just that's just uh, Twitter on Sunday now. If if a big play's made in another game, I'll probably see it within 60 seconds. Even if I'm not watching Red Zone, even if I'm not watching that game, just just travels so quickly. Um, but I love that they get Peyton Manning on at halftime now. Uh, I, I always appreciate hearing from him. The uh, I, I tweeted last night, Patrick Mahomes reminded me of the uh, Peyton Manning commercial where he's throwing the Saturday Night Live skit where he's throwing the balls at the kids and the kids can't catch it and he's blaming them for not getting around on it quickly enough. That's Patrick Mahomes' night uh, last night. That was uh, that was a rough one for them. News around the NFL, uh, the Steelers. Uh, let, let's play this clip. Uh, this was after the game, Najee Harris, the running back. The Steelers only scored 10 points against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, here's Najee Harris talking about the Steelers' offense. Look at the record and say, okay, we're still good right now. Look at the record and be like, if we keep playing this type of football, how long is it going to last? I look at it like, how long is it going to last? You know, y'all can look at it like it's a good record, but, I mean, it's the NFL. You know, it's winning like how we did is not going to it's not going to get us nowhere. That's one of the hardest things in the NFL, right, is uh, is making that move when you have a winning record. The Steelers fire their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, today. This is um, the Steelers' first in-season firing of a coach or coordinator since 1941. And in 1941, Burt Bell, uh, who was the co-owner of the team, fired himself as one of the coaches. I would, I would declare that a unique set of circumstances. And here we are uh, about 80 years later, and uh, we have a second in-season firing for the Steelers. Certainly, uh, the results speak for themselves. You've got to make this move now, and Mike Tomlin hasn't talked yet, but you've got to make this move now because you've got to see if you can save Kenny Pickett or not. You've got to see if he can be an NFL quarterback or not. He, clearly, he can't be under Matt Canada. Clearly, he can't cover up for, for what's going on here. You need to figure out was it the coach or was it the player? And there's a chance that Kenny Pickett's every bit as much a part of the problem. You, can't, you need to figure that out, though, before you commit to running it back with him in 24. You need to commit to that before you make that decision you're going to another year of this because you owe that to this defense. This Steelers defense is crazy good. This Steelers defense is good enough that you owe it to them to figure out, do you need to go get a new quarterback this offseason? And that's what they're going to do here. You, you do it with enough time left in the season. So that, that's an important part of, of what's going on here. The timing of this decision uh, gives you, we've got eight weeks left in the season. I think, I think seven games left in the season for the Steelers. It gives you an opportunity to see what you've got, uh, starting with a winnable Game Sunday against the Bengals. I think that's the highlight of the 1 o'clock hour on Sunday is Steelers-Bengals. Uh, by record, it's Jaguars-Texans, but I, I mean, I, give me Steelers-Bengals. You've got Joe Burrow trying to get right against the Steelers defense. That I know people say the Browns, but for my, for my money right now, Steelers defense, the best in the NFL, and it's not close. You've got 
Uh, Steelers defense uh, uh, trying to get keep Joe Burrow down, send them to a losing record, and then you've got the, you know, the Steelers trying to move the ball against the Bengals. I think that's a tremendous chess match both ways. Uh, Bill Belichick today in New England said he's not going to name a quarterback, would not commit to Mac Jones as his quarterback uh, going into this week. Uh, big big change there. The Patriots have the Giants, pair of eight-loss teams. Patriots 2-8, and eight, the Giants 3-8. and eight. And uh, somebody, somebody's going to get right. Tommy DeVito against player to be named later for the Patriots. Uh, fascinating to see Belichick waver on Mac Jones right now. Uh, if I were Robert Kraft, I'd tell him to get him back in there. Like get the get this tanking on. But but I've said this: Commanders are number seven overall pick in the draft right now, and Giants are behind them. You know they they could pick up another couple wins. Patriots are behind them; they're playing to win. Cardinals are behind him. I think the Cardinals with Kyler Murray could definitely win a few. If you want to put the tank on, nah, I wouldn't be mad. Would not be mad about that situation. Uh, another quarterback benching in New York. Black Friday game for the Dolphins and the Jets. And the Jets will do it without Zach Wilson. This realization comes exactly 11 weeks too late for the New York Jets. They finally are throwing in the towel on Zach Wilson. And look, you can't bring him back on the roster next year. And he's not winning right now. You got to try. You got to see if you can create any juice here. That's another team. That defense is very, very good. Uh, and you, you, you hate to waste a season with a defense like that. But that's exactly what the Jets have done here. Aaron Rodgers goes down. Stick with Zach. And we played this game with RG3 here, by the way. Um, this confidence game, right? I remember talking to... Uh, I was talking to Chris Cooley uh, before the the twenty four season. He's like, he said, you know, Robert feels his best and plays his best when he's feeling confident, when he's confident out there, when he's dealing the ball and feels like he's the man. And and his he was right. He did. And his point was like, you know, you Shanahan needs to be pumping him up, and the players need to be pumping him up. But that only works for so long because in an NFL locker room, careers are so short. Average careers four years. Careers are so short, they guys see through that too quick. Like, as soon as the wheels come off, the wheels come all the way off. And the wheels are off on Zach Wilson. Everybody sees what he is at this juncture. Everybody sees that he's not the long-term future there. And so with this season sliding out of reach, you got to try something. Now, especially with the Dolphins coming, you, you can't score 10 points and beat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, lesson the, uh, the commanders will potentially learn. Uh, in a couple weeks as well. Not that we needed additional learning on that one. All right, we're going to step aside. Uh, one more segment here in the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, as we take you up to the top of the hour, uh, we're, we're with you until noon. AWOD Radio takes over. Then Grant and Daniel drive you home tonight. It's a rainy Tuesday. I'm um, live from Ashburn. MP on the mics, the show. Back after this, this is 910 The Fan, not 105.1 FM. That was uh, Max Verstappen. He's the best driver in Formula One talking about how much he disliked being in Las Vegas last week for the Formula One race there. Did, did you see it? Did, did you catch the, uh, the Formula One race in Vegas? I'm going to guess you didn't, uh, because it started and started at 10 o'clock Vegas time, which was 1 p.m. Eastern. Now, what I'm told, I didn't stand for it either, 
what I'm told is turned out to be a great race. Uh, m- the deal with Formula One, uh, which uh, very popular, the Drive to Survive show, which is exceptionally well done. Uh, if you haven't seen that on Netflix, it it is definitely worth your time. It's a it's a great show, uh, and they they portray all that stuff. Um, that Max Verstappen wins every week. He's the best driver, and he's in the best car. Um, so so the suspense for the Formula One fans and people is um, is that. You, know, you, you compete for like third, fourth, there, there's points, there's a constructor's championship, there's a driver's championship, there's all, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, so you root for your team, like, you know, it might be like rooting for the commanders to get a wild card spot, right? Like, you just know that's their ceiling, so, so you're going hard for it. Um, but, but I play that because all the, all the reports going into Vegas weekend for the F1 were... This thing's going to be a disaster. They didn't sell as many tickets as they thought they would. Vegas is empty. The reports coming out of it, by the way, were, holy cow, we made a crap ton of money, um, is, is the word coming out, which does not surprise me. They didn't sell as many tickets as they had hoped, but the tickets were like twelve grand a piece. And so it doesn't take a lot to get to where you need to get with those numbers. And, and it was an exciting race, and everybody, uh, I, I, I follow a few of the writers who were out there for that. They raved about the facilities. This thing's going to be back. The question is, who are you throwing this event for, right? If, if it's for the handful of rich people, they probably don't want to start at 10, 8, 10 p.m. If it's for people watching on TV in, in Europe, you probably hit the exact right time, get, get them Sunday morning waking up, give, the, give them a little something to wake up to. You lose the American crowd with that. Um, but I, I was intrigued by Max Verstappen's answer there because it, his answer was essentially, look, you can throw a party and people will come. And people will get, uh, you know, S-faced, I believe was his phrase. And you you can have a good time, but you're not, there's no, there's no stickiness there. There's no, like, loyalty to Formula One. The loyalty is to the party and the DJ and the atmosphere. He's saying you have to give people racing. You have to give them a reason to like the product, and and you have to get them into the product. I thought that's what the Netflix show did so well, was talking to me, a a dumb American, like like I'm five, and explaining to me how you can enjoy this F1, a series where the same person wins every single week. And, And it's compelling television and compelling theater, and he's saying they're they're straying from that, right? They're straying from celebrating the drivers and the racing to celebrating the party. And there's nothing new there. That's what Monaco is every year as well. That's what Richmond Raceway became. I mean, certainly when I moved here in the early 2000s, when they were at their peak, when it took two hours to get out of that parking lot, it was a party. Um, and, and the racing was there and provided the soundtrack. But I think a lot of people weren't there for the racing. A lot of people were there for the party. And that, that's how football is, too. That, that's how tailgating is, too. But the product, at the end of the day, has to be good enough to pe- keep people coming back. You can get people to watch the Super Bowl, but if it's not good football and compelling, they're, they're not coming back. Uh, and, and so I, I love that answer from Max Verstappen, talking about the, uh, the F1 in Vegas. Didn't think we'd do a segment on F1 today, did you? Here we are. I do love the Netflix series. Netflix series is uh, is is very good. It's outstanding. It's the live from Ashburn show. It's rainy. Uh, what 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 better way to to send us into the holiday than than talking some F one? I want to get into it more than I am. I want to get into it a lot. Um, 
I, I want to like it more. I also really like that the races take 90 minutes. I think that that is a sweet spot for televised entertainment because then you can watch the pre-show and the post-show and you don't feel like you've committed like your entire day to it. Uh, but that good answer from Max Verstappen. Celebrate the sport um, and, and keep that central in what you do. And I'm sure they'll be back in Vegas next year and we'll hear plenty more from them. All right, panic button time. When we come back a Tuesday tradition, we will hit the panic button on some people in the sports news. That on the other side of this, we're going to take our top of the hour break back with another hour of MP on the mic after this. You're listening to 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM. I love it. It's a Tuesday morning, 11 o'clock live from Ashburn. Traditionally, our Thursday purview. There's not going to be a Thursday show this week. Don't bother tuning in. Uh, tune into TV, uh, the TV, and watch uh, watch the Cowboys and the Commanders, and then bring it back to the fan at 5:30. VCU Iowa State down in Orlando. Uh, fired up for that one. Uh, we'll see uh, see how VCU can hang with some big boys. Uh, I think that will be a ton of fun. It is Tuesday though. Um, even though we're live from Ashburn, even though we're going to play some Commanders clips in the next segment, uh, we'll go inside the locker room as we do. Even though we have we have our Thursday traditions today, we have our Tuesday traditions too, and we hold those tightly around here. It's time to smack the panic button. Is it time to panic, or is this just a momentary scare? MP on the mic has his finger on the panic button. Yes, sir, and uh, lots of lots of reasons to panic today. Let's start with the Commanders themed one. Sam Howell up first on the on the panic button today. Uh, Sam Howell had two count him two rough games against the New York Giants over the past month. Uh, Wink Martindale has had his number uh, as the Giants have had the Commanders number. Uh, you don't want to get outplayed by Tommy DeVito on a day he gets sacked nine times. That's a bad look. That's uh, that's not good for the old resume. Uh, that's uh, that that's one you, you you're not gonna want to. It's a good thing it's a short week in Ashburn. The film study will be mercifully short. Okay, they they're back out on the field today. They're back practicing today. Uh, but I am I am not hitting the panic button on Sam Howell. Now, obviously the interception was his, and he wears at the end of the game. I feel like Sam Howell is a guy who is going to average about half an interception a game. Maybe maybe three quarters of an interception a game. He'd been walking that line for a little while. Uh, he'd been walking that line for the last few games for sure. And he'd been throwing some passes that, I, right, there's there's the Amazon thing, right, the commercial where it's like catch percentage. His interception percentage on some of those throws in Seattle was probably like 40 or 50, and they, they didn't get intercepted because that's, that's the – that's the way the ball bounces sometimes. Sometimes the other team doesn't intercept it. But I'm not down long-term on Sam Howell. He's, he's shown an ability to learn and to grow from these things. The turnovers aren't on him. And I thought he made some good throws towards the end to get him back in the game. Uh, and I think he's, you know, you can say, oh, he, he was undone by the pressure in the two-minute drill. I, I think he's done really well in two-minute drills this year overall. Uh, start of the year, he was really good at punching in extra points before halftime. Uh, that that's kind of been one of his specialties. I'm uh, I, I'm still in on Sam Howell. I'm still in all the way on Sam Howell. Item number two, Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. Yeah, I am smacking the panic button on this one. 
Yeah, Caleb Williams came into the season as the consensus number one pick in the NFL draft. And by the way, if you watch Caleb Williams play, he des- he deserves it. He he makes great plays. He's uh, his his arm is incredible. He can read the field. USC the team has faced some adversity this year. Um, you know, they thought this would be a national championship caliber season, and it has not been. It's been a good season, but they, they've had some losses in some big games. And I am e- I am even going to set aside that his, his was it the UCLA game, I think, after the loss, he, he ran and was, was crying with his family in the stands. That was a big game. That meant a lot to him. I'm going to put out there, though, Caleb Williams who seems to be getting increasingly frustrated with teammates, increasingly frustrated with the losing, um, throwing a fit on the sideline, Caleb Williams, that's a warning sign for me. Because uh, let me tell you a thing that's going to happen in the NFL, especially if you're a top five draft pick. You're going to lose. Uh, you might lose a lot uh, your first year while you're figuring it all out. Um, he also has refused to participate in press conferences after losses, uh, which is optional in college. You don't have to do that in college. You'll have to do that in the pros, though. And there are some warning signs here to me that if if I'm going number one on this kid and starting him right away, this could be a rough road, a rocky road. If you're a coach, you better know you can handle this and you can handle what's coming. He's got got all the talent in the world, and I'm not betting against him succeeding in the NFL. I just, it's a warning sign to me that he really has not handled the adversity well at USC. And the NFL is a game and a sport where you get thrown adversity all the time. That's all the NFL is, is just adversity after adversity. Even for the best teams, the Kansas City Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champions. And somewhere this morning, somebody is calling them bumps because of the loss to the Eagles. They don't have it anymore. You know, shouldn't let Tyreek Hill go. Travis Kelsey shouldn't be dating Taylor Swift. That's uh, that's a team that's uh, they they've lost their touch, it, which is ridiculous, which is patently ridiculous. But is is something that comes with the territory of being in the NFL. Is is something that comes with being in the NFL, and uh, you, you know, it, if if you if you go undefeated in the NFL, you're the seventy-two Dolphins. You're gonna lose sometimes, and I don't know. I, I'm seeing so many other great quarterbacks, too. If I were sitting at number one, I'd be tempted to trade out with somebody who wants Caleb Williams, grab one of the other guys later. Because you never know, right? You never know. Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Justin Herbert, those guys go at the top. But other guys go at the top, too, that you never hear from again after a couple of years. And and you watch them, you know, fizzle out quickly. Um, I got warning signs coming on Caleb Williams. Uh, next one, Arthur Smith, coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, full-on panic button there. Um, playing quarterback roulette, that, that's a no. We don't, we don't do that. Uh, Taylor Heineke's in, Desmond Ritter's in, Desmond Ritter's bad, Taylor Heineke's bad. Uh, does not appear to know how to use B. John Robinson. This dude has assembled one of the great skill team tandems in the league. Uh, tan- tandems, two. He's got more than two. Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Bijan Robinson. You've got some talent on offense there in Atlanta. In a bad division, this should be a year where you're contending. And they are not contending at all there in Atlanta. 
Uh, panic button. Mac Jones. All right, I put Mac Jones on before the show. Uh, Mac Jones is a, is a hard panic button now uh, with the with the breaking news here that Bill Belichick has declined to name a starter for this week's game. That's uh, that's bad news for Mac Jones. He's a guy who may not get a second chance either. Like he may he might get to be a third stringer somewhere and get in in a, in a Danny DeVito type situation, Tommy DeVito type situation. I knew I'd do that eventually. Tom, the Tommy DeVito situation. He he may get there, but you got your first break out of school was well, first off you played at Alabama. You're coached by Saban. You go to Belichick. You get to start on the Patriots, and, and you're not making that work. It's going to be hard for him to get another opportunity. It's going to be hard for him to get uh, to get another chance as an NFL quarterback. And he's he's got I don't know he may not get another opportunity to prove it if he doesn't start this weekend. But if you can't succeed with Bill Belichick and with the Patriots, uh, teams are going to really look look long and hard. I think they're going to decide to go go the Devito route rather than go on the Mac Jones route in free agency this offseason. Um, RG3. All right, let's play the clip, Josh. This is uh, this is RG3 pitching himself as quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. The Browns should sign me as their starting quarterback, and here's why. One, at 33 years old, I understand the game better than I ever have in my entire career. I know how to slide, and I know when to slide, and that was a huge issue in my eight years in the NFL. But I've learned. I've learned from my mistakes, and I'm ready to showcase that I can get it done. But here's the thing. Deshaun Watson went 14 for 14 in the second half against the Baltimore Ravens, and he used his legs to go out and scramble and extend plays. Of those 14 passes, there weren't really any of them that you would say were $230 million worthy passes. All they needed him to do was manage the game because of them dogs they got over there on defense, starting with Miles Garrett. Well, guess what? I didn't do that. (laughs) My man, I... I, I don't know how extensive I talk. I've only had the show for a little while. Um, but a lot of, if you know me, you know. I love RG3. I've got a soft spot for RG3. I, I, he's, a, he's a good dude who the, the shtick is, is wild, um, but he really, like, it's genuine, too. Um, he really is out to spread happiness and, and cheer to the world. Um, I, I've got a soft spot for him. He was sent to the exact wrong organization at the exact wrong time. And there were no adults in the room at any point to help him along the way, which includes a lot of people in his path. But my man, you're good on television. You're good on college football game of the week. You are good on ESPN Monday Night Countdown. We're done here. We're done. We we gotta quit doing this. We gotta quit doing the I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna play every time a team has a quarterback opening. We're done here. It's hard. It's hard to give it up. I get that. But we're done here. I that's I, I every time there's a quarterback opening, you can take it to the bank. Robert is going to throw himself out for that quarterback opening. No, 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 no. We're we're done here. Call it a day. Uh, final one. Amazon Thursday Night Football. Smack the panic button on that one, would you, Josh? Here's why I'm panic buttoning Amazon Thursday Night Football because. They allowed Carissa Thompson to be on TV last week. I don't know if you followed this. She is the uh, pregame host for the Amazon Prime pregame broadcast, um, 
with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony Gonzalez. They, they have a good crew there. Uh, Carissa Thompson was on, uh, pardon my take, the Barstool Sports Podcast, and said that she had, when she was a sideline reporter, if the coach was too busy to talk to her, she would just make up something generic that the coach said. Oh, you know, they... they you know they need to they need to work on their defense or they you know they need to get get off the field quicker. Um, you can't do that. And so that that clip came out Thursday morning. They let her on TV Thursday night. Uh, Daniel Kaplan, who reports on sports media news, uh, put out their statement from somebody at Amazon saying it was 15 years ago. Get over it, essentially. Then he deleted that tweet. Uh, and Amazon has had no comment since then. But they let Carissa Thompson on the air. Look, I am a journalist. And, and I'm an entertainer. Uh, there, there are two roles we do here, and they're, you know, sideline reporters no different. There are two roles to sideline reporting. You have to be entertaining. Uh, it, there is a reason they look good. It is an entertainment product. Uh, people are watching the game. They want to be entertained, much like watching a movie or watching Netflix. The second element, though, is you are a part of a product that is providing information about something people care about a lot. And you are the only person with access to these important people at these important times. And when you have a sideline reporter go on a national podcast and say, yeah, sometimes I make it up. It's not just bad for football, Amazon, Carissa Thompson. It's bad for all of us in this business. Because, right, what's the number one thing everybody... Anytime I get on it, I was talking about Bill Belichick the other day. and says, oh, just, just clickbait, you're just making stuff up for interest. We can't go down that road. We cannot validate like, oh, yeah, sometimes we as the media just make things up so that people will talk and listen about it. No, we, we can't do that. And aspirationally, we have to teach young people who might be interested in journalism and TV journalism and sideline reporting that there's a very important element to this job. And that element is drawing information out of coaches, providing injury updates, providing updates on how the team is going, and, and giving people a feel. You're the only person in America allowed in that space. And it's your job to relay to us what's happening in that space. And we've got to trust that that report's accurate. And if you're just making it up, that's, that's bad for everybody on down the line. And that's bad for the future as well if people are hearing... Oh, yeah, the media, They anytime they need something to say, they just make something up and talk about it. That's what's frustrating me. And what's frustrating me is Amazon had such an easy out here. Carissa Thompson is not essential personnel on Thursday night football. You could have had Thursday night football without her. It's not a but out of state. We're looking into this. We're very concerned by what we've heard. We'll get back to you soon. Carissa's out tonight. Here's, here's our fill-in. That, that's very, very different than we're firing her. That's very different than anything like that. That's just, hey, we see something's going on here. We're going to take it. We're going to step aside for a second, and we're going to look into it. They chose not to do that. They chose not to do that, and in the process, they diminished the credibility of everybody who works with the league and everybody who works with the NFL. That's the frustrating part to me. All right, we got to step aside. It's 11.15. we got 45 more minutes before we take off on Thanksgiving break. Hand it over to AWOD, who will be powering through the holiday to bring you all the biggest basketball news from down in Orlando. Uh, we are back after this, 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. 
One last segment take you into the holiday weekend. What is up? Michael Phillips here, MP on the mic. If you're missing us over the Thanksgiving break, there's a cure. It's a free Odyssey app with the rewind button. Listen to past shows. Uh, we're also available on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Google. Uh, what, what do people use these days? Spotify. I use Spotify. I don't know why I didn't think of Spotify. We're on Spotify. Just search MP on the mic. Listen to our past shows and uh, catch up over this holiday break. AWOD Radio will stick with you. He'll be around not only today, uh, but tomorrow as well. And on Friday, probably also have a little Gary Hess High School football on Friday. So we'll look forward to that. Hope you guys have a great break, great time with family over this Thanksgiving holiday. And a uh, lot's going to happen in the football world between now and then to get us uh, get us going uh, next Monday. We'll have Commanders-Cowboys uh, wrap-up. We'll also have UVA Tech wrap-up and a lot of college basketball happening. VCU down in Orlando, very curious to see how they do. And uh, UVA attempting to bounce back against West Virginia. Well, let's, let's close out the week and uh, close out uh, the book on today's show with this. I mentioned yesterday I had chatted with uh, John Riggins and uh, Joe Theismann. At, uh, at Sunday's Commander's game, and certainly as we get ready for Commander's-Cowboys, uh, it's always uh, always fascinating to check in with those guys, and, and for Riggins in particular, uh, who had you know had, had a falling out with Dan Snyder and hadn't been around. Uh, last we heard from him was his, his critique of the new team name, which I, I do not think was wrong. Uh, I do continue to think Commander's is, is a pretty bad name for a football team, uh, but he is... Uh, he is involved. He was at the USO Club uh, helping to, to greet uh, the troops who are being honored at Military Appreciation Day on Sunday. Uh, asked him about the potential to be involved with the new ownership group. Here's what he had to say. I've had a chance to meet with Mitch Rails, and he and I have discussed some things. And the first thing that came out of Mitch's mouth was the fans. He was one once upon a time, obviously, as a kid, and he's grown up now, and he actually is part of the owner of this team. And I believe that the real... What he wants to do, and I'm sure Mr. Harris and Mark and the rest of the ownership, is give back to the fans what they once had in the 80s and early 90s. And I think that that is their mission, and you have to applaud that. And uh, and I do. I take my hat off to that. He then proceeded to literally tip his hat and take off his hat to them, uh, which was a, a fun moment. Uh, I love hearing that. And uh, of course, Mitch Rails, one of the three main investors, Josh Harris, the primary owner of the Commanders, calls the shots. Mitchell Rails and Mark Ein, two local businessmen uh, who have very substantial shares of the team. Magic Johnson would round out your major players in this ownership group. He's got a he, he's got a uh, not insubstantial percentage of his money invested in the team as well. These guys are all committed to the team, committed to helping this thing uh, get back on track. And, and he mentions the fans and. I mean, a, a lot of the new fans you're aiming to attract don't know these guys. Uh, they don't know, they don't know Riggins, and they don't know Theismann, and, and they don't know what happened in these glory days. Uh, and you know, you've lost the generation between then and now. And, and you're not working the people who were at RFK throwing the seat cushions. You're not trying to get their kids to the stadium. You're trying to get their grandkids to the stadium right now. That dead intermediate generation, you lost them, and and they may come back. Winning helps, but but you'll never have that lifelong bond that you have that 
you know, the Capitals will have with fans for the next 30 years because this generation has grown up watching Ovechkin play, watching a great product on the ice, a great, uh, a great show, uh, all those things. They, they haven't provided that. Um, so it's great to hear the fan focus, and uh, as certainly it, it will be a very significant offseason for these guys. Now, Joe, I mentioned Joe Theismann was there, too. 40th anniversary uh, of Joe Theismann's MVP season. And uh, we asked him about that. Uh, we asked him about uh, Sam Howell and some other stuff. Uh, I'm going to roll the clip. Uh, here's Joe Theismann uh, checking in with some reporters uh, ahead of Sunday's game against the New York Giants. Wait, what are the memories that come to your mind when you think of that season? Oh, that just it was magical. Uh, you know, it was really we – were, we were really good at the end of 82 when we won the world championship. But when we got into 80, the 83 season, everything just seemed to click. Everybody stayed healthy. Guys were unbelievable. Uh, I'll never forget the funny part is like the first three or four games, I kept handing off to John. You know, John would score a touchdown. And I kept thinking, I never said it to Joe, but I kept thinking, why can't I just run a little play action? And, you know, throw me a crumb. Just let me throw one touchdown pass. And then, you know what, I really made, after about the third game, I said, you know, I don't care whether I get touchdown passes. I don't care as long as we win. And I think freeing my mind up in that way allowed me to play much better football. Instead of trying to be something, just let it come to me. And it worked, it worked out you know, sensationally well. But it, we were a football team in 1983 where had we won the Super Bowl, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I think we'd be considered one of the top two greatest offenses in football. I still think we are. If you look up the giveaway-takeaway ratio, we were plus 43 that year. I don't think anybody's hit the 20s. So it, it's sort of crazy, but it was a sensational football team to be a part of. And, you know, we'd get ready for games, and there wasn't a question whether we'd win or lose, just a question of how many points we'd score. What do you, you think like, of, sorry, what do you think of Sam Howell and the way the team's playing? I year? love the way Sam's playing. The thing I like about Sam so much, number one, is his toughness. I mean, the guy's been sacked more than anybody. When you talk about sacks, you forget about the fact that that doesn't count the hits. Right. So he's, he's very resilient. He throws the ball well, gets the ball out of his hands, makes, makes good decisions. But the thing I'm most impressed with is he continues to get better and better. And he and Eric now are, I believe, getting more and more on the same page. It's so essential to have the coordinator and the quarterback understand why something is called. Not just what's called, but why it was called. And I, you see that now. You see him getting the ball out of his hands, being able to anticipate the routes. And, I, you know, I put our receiving core up against anybody in football, to be honest with you. So it's a, it's a nice combination, but I really am impressed with Sam. I think that's one of the more measured takes on Sam Howell, and I think that one holds up even after the loss. I think a lot of Sam Howell takes last week did, didn't hold up through the loss. I think that one does, though. He, he's still your guy in 24. Nothing about that changed on Sunday. He struggled with what Wing Martindale threw at him for the second time, and so did Eric Bieniemy, and so did the offensive line, and so did a lot of players on the team. He's not personally responsible for the turnovers and the fumbles. Uh, obviously, was responsible for the interception at the end, but I, I think he'd been, you know, working towards that for a few weeks, so to speak. He'd been living on on the lucky side of the line and ended up on the unlucky side of the line. But you're still rolling with the guy. Hey, you're not, you, I love what Joe that said there. You're not. You're not saying he's the guy forever. You're not signing him to a 10-year extension. You're just saying he looks good so far. I like what I've seen so far. He's better than we can do in free agency, in the draft, and wherever. Let's rock with this guy. Let, let's see how far he'll take us. And from there, who knows? From there, uh, you, you see what he can do. And uh, there's going to be at least some new coaching next year around him. And we'll see what that does. And we'll see what that changes for Sam Howell. 
as well. Well, I hope you guys enjoy the Turkey Day games. I, I know I will. I'm excited for Seahawks uh, and 49ers at the end of the night. But, of course, Cowboys and the Commanders, uh, Thanksgiving tradition. Going to be a ton of fun. Dolly Parton at halftime. They also flip over to, uh, to VCU. VCU basketball against Iowa State in the same window. Should be a fantastic weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Wrap it all up for you. AWOD Radio is going to be with you for the rest of the week for uh, today, tomorrow, and uh, Friday. Of course, Grant and Daniel take you home this afternoon. This is 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 